In the mystic realm of Eternia, a great evil known as Skeletor wages war against the peaceful Eternians and their heroic leader, He-Man. When Skeletor gets his hands on a key that can open a doorway anywhere in the universe, He-Man and his friends are hurled into an alien world called California and must find a way back home to save all of existence in the 1987 fantasy epic Masters of the Universe. I'm Connor Azagari. I'm Colton Jenkins. And welcome to another episode of Beyond the Bad. Happy Friday, folks, and welcome to Beyond the Bad, the show where the movies get worse and cynicism is alive and well. Today's episode will be a little different. If you listen to this past Wednesday's Filmgasm podcast episode on The Terminator, then you might know Beyond the Bad's usual host, Caleb Leger, has caught the bug that keeps on giving. COVID's a bitch, and if horror movies have taught me anything, Colton, you're next. Oh, no. Please. Everyone on my fucking team, including me, keeps getting COVID, which is crazy. I mean, Austin and I are in Texas. Caleb's in Virginia. It's still got him. I saw this post online, and it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Um, It said, um, I refuse to catch COVID in 2022, not because I don't believe in it or anything, just because imagine catching COVID in 2022, like a fucking loser. (laughs) Like, It feels like like that. Yeah. It's like, I... I already beat it, and now there's a fucking epilogue. <laughs> yeah, it's an after credit scene. That's what it is. It is, to a movie I don't want to fucking see anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, Caleb, uh, hope you're better next week. Uh, we're going to do our best. Uh, Colton, thanks for being here to help me take apart another shitty movie. Yeah, of course. You know, I'm always down to trash movies. <laughs> I will say off the bat, this one was definitely better than the last one I did in the Ghost of Mars, but I think everything is better than that piece of shit, honestly. Oh, you have no idea. That was one of the good ones. Oh, no. <laughs> but we, yeah, this this show can, you know, it can give, it can take away. It's entirely random, honestly. Like, And that's, I think, the beauty of this show is we don't know if the movie's really going to be that bad or if just everyone's been convinced it is that bad. Most of the time, though, it's that bad. But this one's pretty divisive, uh, I got to say. Yeah, I had high hopes and I was I wasn't overwhelmed, wasn't underwhelmed. I think I was just whelmed, you know, right in the middle. Yeah, fair enough. For a movie made out of a toy line that I don't think was as successful as people thought, it could have been worse. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think that is a good segue to head to Eternia, take on a movie that was inspired mostly by a line of 80s toys and featured about as much charisma as you'd expect. Masters of the Universe. The film currently sits at a 22% Rotten Tomato score, audience score of 41%. So, pretty bad. Uh, Critics' consensus reads, and this made me laugh, Masters of the Universe is a slapdash adaptation of the human mythos that can't overcome its cynical lack of raison d'etre, no matter how admirably Franklin Jella throws himself into the role of Skeletor. Here's the thing. If you're reviewing Masters of the Universe, maybe don't throw out words like raison d'etre. Nobody is fucking knows what that means if you're watching this movie. No. And He-Man Mythos, this was a toy line for like three years. 
I always find it funny when people add like mythos to something like, oh, you know, like the Toy Story mythos. Like, dude, fuck, what are you talking about? Yeah, this is not an ancient tale of woe. Like, this is from 1987. <laughs> so why don't we tone that down? Jesus Christ. This is why people don't like you, Rotten Tomatoes. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Unreal. Uh, <laughs> so before people, you know, every, hmm? every time I like try to look up a movie review, yeah, I always like use Rotten Tomatoes, and people keep telling me, "Don't use Rotten Tomatoes; it's so biased." Use Metacritic, but um, Rotten Tomatoes. I just love reading the reviews because some of them are so fucking outlandish and stupid that I can't not I can't not use Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's a note. It's a notable name that everyone who knows movies knows. A lot of people use it to influence their decision on whether or not they'll go see something. It's a good baseline for this show. Yeah, this. Yeah, and I just love the Curtis consensus being like, you know, He Man did not live up to my expectations. Like, <laughs> really? <laughs> which uh, which score do you pay more attention to, the critic score or the audience score? I tend to pay more attention to the audience score. Yeah, same. Yeah, but I do love the critic score when it's like. I love when it when one of them's super low and one of them's super high. Is it like I wonder like who was right? It's that's great. Exactly. For for example, Crimes of the Future. I haven't checked the Rotten Tomatoes, but I guarantee you the audience score is super low and the critic score is super high. Let's do it right now. Let's check that. I'm curious. Crimes of the future. Critic score of 79%, audience score of 50. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Who'd have thunk? Us. We'd have thunk. Yeah. <laughs> so, before we get into the, the meat of the show, uh, Colton, I have one question for you to get the juices flowing here. Yes. So, Masters of the Universe came out of a line of Mattel toys. Uh, alongside G.I. Joe, Transformers, and the upcoming Barbie movie, uh, what are your thoughts on movies made from toys? Do you think they have any goal besides making money, or do you think it's possible to find emotional value anywhere in there? So I feel like a lot of the time it is just to make money, you know, because when you make a movie out of a toy line, it's basically one giant commercial. However, I feel like sometimes they genuinely do care. And I feel like with the first Transformers movie, you know, say what you will about it. You know, I feel like that came from a place of Michael Bay actually wanting to create something really good. Um, And also the new upcoming Barbie movie, just the, just having the balls to cast Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie as Ken and Barbie. I feel like that that comes from a place of genuinely wanted to make a good movie rather than toys. But most of the time, I think it is just, to, you know, make more sales, honestly. Well, Barbie's going to be unique because it's written and directed by Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig, Academy Award nominated filmmakers who've done some really amazing work. And mm-hmm. then they're doing Barbie. So it's like, I think there's more to that one than we than we're expecting. I have a feeling it's going to be a pretty sharp satire on commercialism. So I'm I'm excited to see what that's going to be. But I mean, I've seen most of the Transformers movies. I've seen all the GI Joe movies. I just, I mean, if I didn't play with the toy, I don't I don't have any emotional investment to start. I'm not like you know, oh, there's I don't fucking Megatron. There's Snake Eyes. It's like I know the I know the character but i didn't know i didn't grow up with it so i feel like there's an audience with all of this that worships films like these because they had it growing up you know ninja turtles power rangers all that shit is kind of in one big bubble that i just was never in oh yeah 
I will say I love the Ninja Turtle movies. I love them all. Even like the like the like the shitty remakes. I love those. Are you, I guess there's only is there two? I don't know. I've only seen one. There is two. There's two. But there's two. Okay. Um, one of the movies that I think um came from a, a place of genuinely wanting to make a really good movie, and I think that they did it correctly, was the Lego movies because um they weren't exact because it's hard to. Like, I know they have, like, the Lego Batman movie now, the Lego Ninjago movie, but, like, when the Lego movie came out, it's hard to have, like, a... Because Lego is such a big thing to make, like, a like an independent story. I feel like took a lot of wanting to create something actually good. And I feel like they did a really good job. So I think with toys, I feel like it's hard to make a story because toys, they sort of have their own story going, not really, very loosely. So I feel like making a movie would be difficult, but Lego movie did it perfectly. I think that's a good point. Like toys have a story attached to them, but in the eighties, especially like kids buying these or, you know, getting these toys from their parents, they, they, they care about that story. I don't think no. people made up their own stories. Like that's what I always did. You know, when I was a kid, I had you know Spider-Man, Batman, I had those toys and I would make up my own story. Like there's no, reason for these two characters to be interacting but they fell through some portal in space time and now they're now they got to save gotham city together <laughs> made sense in my head yeah exactly or like the, like the new Lightyear movie like just toy story as a general is a perfect example it's a movie about toys which you know, i guess small soldiers is also a, <laughs> an example of a movie about toys but i'm not i want to get into small soldiers right now that's a great movie um <laughs> One one I've always loved. I mean, there's a couple movies made out of board games, which has got to be. I mean, when you're when you're mining board games for a film, you really got to be out of ideas. No, oh, yeah. But in in 1985, they made Clue, mm. and that is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. That is such a great comedy. Clue. Okay, it's on purpose. Yeah, it's a, it's the same. You know, a bunch of people go to a dinner party. Mr. Body is killed. Who did it? You know, in what room with what? It's the same deal as the game, but the performances are so funny. The references to the game are, are great, and it's just a really well-made movie. That's uh, really cool. Yeah, one day we're gonna do it on the Filmgasm podcast because that's where it belongs. Because it's a classic. Do you uh, think they could do? I mean, I know that Stranger Things. I keep I, every episode I'm in. I, I bring it's on. Stranger. It's on your mind. Season four's you know out and about. It's on your mind. I get it. So I mean, I guess Stranger Things could be seen as like a Dungeons and Dragons. TV show, but do you think that a Dungeons and Dragons movie is possible? Because I would see that immediately. I would drop so much money. Well, get ready to do that next year because it's in development right now. Are you serious? Yeah, uh, Chris Pine's going to star in it, and they're they're making it. They made one in two thousand one that uh, didn't do that hot. Oh damn! I didn't know that. Yeah, was it like, follow the same formula as like Jumanji or something. No, it was like my- mythical world. Oh. Of, you know, it was like a Lord of the Rings knockoff with Jeremy Irons. Uh, oh, shit. that's pretty cool that will pop up on this show one day it's considered one of the worst movies of all time <laughs> oh no but hopefully this new one works out but you know making i just feel making movies from you know a book you've got an established story even a video game you've got something to, to, to build from with toys you're basically just like how do i sell more toys yeah yeah I don't think Masters of the Universe pulled it off, though. This was not a successful film. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, with that, let's get into development hell. So I found an article on Hornet.com called 
1987 movie Masters of the Universe was apparently as painful to star in as it was to watch. Oof. And we're just going to kind of go through this article and lay out exactly what happened on this set because uh, nobody was happy. Everyone was greasy and sweaty because no one really bothered to work on the costumes that hard. It's, it's wild. Uh, so <laughs> here we go. Though gritty reboots of childhood nostalgia are all the rage today, they were a relatively unexplored phenomenon back in the 1980s. A quick scan of, its, of Masters of the Universe's credits revealed plenty of red flags. It stars Dolph Lundgren, who could barely speak English when the movie was made. And yeah, Dolph Lundgren is Ivan Drago from Rocky IV and a lesser you know, 80s action star who is still trying. Uh, I mean, you know, he, he does have, you know, Creed II, for example, he was amazing as a broken, defeated Dolph, or I almost called him broken, defeated Dolph Lundgren, a broken, defeated Ivan Drago, who's trying to do the do right by his son. And I thought that was great. You know, he's been in the Expendables movies. He was the Punisher in 1989. And he's got like two or three master's degrees in like physics and chemistry or something. He's a genius. He just what? chooses to do shitty movies. God, okay. There's a funny story, like, funny now, not at the time, on the set of Rocky IV. Sylvester Stallone also directed that movie. And he told Dolph Lundgren, this newcomer, this giant, hulking newcomer, hit me for real as hard as you can. And this guy's like, I don't want to get fired, so all right. And he punched Sylvester Stallone in the chest so hard, his heart bounced off his rib cage, and he had to get rushed to the hospital. And... Oh uh yeah, so Dolph, Dolph Lundgren nearly killed Sylvester Stallone by punching him, and then apparently he felt no remorse. He was like, well, I, he told me to punch him. <laughs> oh, love it. Um, so the movie was produced by Canon Films, who, depending on who you're talking to, either made the worst films ever made or some of the greatest cult classics of all time. Really depends on who you're talking to. Uh, personally, I have not seen enough canon films to worship them, but I know some people who do. Yeah. Uh, and apparent, and this is the worst part. Uh, the director, Gary Goddard, was has been the subject of accusations of sexually abusing minors Oof. in the past few years, especially. Uh, I looked into this. This is what I found. In April 2014, Goddard and his frequent film collaborator, Brian Singer, along with several other filmmakers, were sued by actor Michael Egan III, who alleged that they had sexually assaulted him when he was a minor and had videotaped some of the assaults. Egan, oh I know. Egan withdrew his lawsuit against Goddard in June 2014. By August of that year, he had dismissed his lawsuits against all the other defendants as well. So he came out, he said that they had assaulted him when he was a kid, then he withdrew everything. But I mean, personally, I think he was probably coerced. Yeah. In November 2017, actor Anthony Edwards wrote an essay on Medium in which he alleged that Goddard molested him and raped his best friend, quote, for years, starting when they were 12 years old. Speaking on behalf of Goddard, his publicist denied the allegations. Brian Claflin, an aspiring artist and fashion designer from Salt Lake City, accused Goddard of a 1999 sexual assault at his Beverly Hills residence. Claflin died by suicide in Berlin in 2014. So there's a few accusations of sexual assault against this guy and the fact that he was hanging out with Brian Singer also accused of sexual assault of minors doesn't look good. Holy shit, dude. 
Yeah. Rough, rough shit. I mean, like absolute monsters. They should be in rotting in hell if this is true. Uh, but that's the guy helming this movie. Wonderful. Gary Goddard. A lot of, I know this is going to be a weird thing to say, but there's a lot of pedophiles named Gary. Like, I can think of at least two or three right now. Like, famous pedophiles named Gary. It's a fucking weird coincidence. Uh, Yeah, anyway. Google them. I'm not making this up. (laughs) So, back into the article. Yeah, I just Google them. Because the movie was unpopular from the moment it debuted and is now mostly forgotten, I don't know about that, little material exists about the production process. But what details are known reflect a movie set in a continual state of chaos and misery. (laughs) Sounds fun. (laughs) Wonderful. The The costumes in particular are cited as a point of pain. Tony Carroll, who played Beastman, had to wear prosthetic teeth that made him drool into his mask, making it heavier and heavier as filming went on. They didn't empty out his drool mask. He just had to keep wearing it. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Beast man. What a ridiculous character. Um, Anthony DeLongas, who played Blade, had a costume made of steel pipes that weighed so much a costume designer urged him not to wear it. It's just like, look, man, don't put it on. (laughs) Too heavy. Don't put it on. Uh, as Evil Lynn, which is maybe the stupidest character name I've ever heard in my life. Oh my god! I, yeah, I, I, when I heard that, I I rolled my eyes. I was like, oh, so it's Evelyn, but edgy. <laughs> that was a, so. I most of what I know about He Man comes out of Robot Chicken, and there was a bit where Skeletor finds out her name is Evil Lynn. He's like, wait, you're, you're telling me this whole time your your name is Evil Lynn? I I just thought it was Evelyn, like. <laughs> I thought your name was Evelyn. Sorry about that. Um, So as Evil Lynn, Meg Foster had to wear a 45-pound costume that gave her bruises all over her groin. Jesus Christ. So the costumes were hurting everybody because they just had no money. So they just, you know, whipped something up and made them wear it. Another actor who played a lizard henchman had a costume that didn't allow him to see or to sit. So he had to lean against a board with a hole specially cut out for his tail. <laughs> Unreal. It's amazing that like this production wasn't shut down for abuse. But I can't. That's the 80s. <laughs> Couldn't do that now, but that's for damn sure. Fuck no, man. Are you kidding me? I was reading um something about like uh it might have been it might have been like Spider-Man or something. How like they would oh was it Ben Affleck? In Batman, it was one of the superhero ones. They were complaining, they're like that they would go hours and hours without like, like peeing because taking off the costume was so fucking rough. And then you also saw the other side of that, like uh, Margot Robbie and um, in Suicide Squad. Apparently, she was just really uncomfortable with her costume because of how like you know demeaning it was and stuff like that. Like she said that, um, that she went on a lunch break. And she felt so uncomfortable the entire time because you know you, you know, having all those eyes in you has to be the worst thing ever. So, yeah, I heard that was part of her stipulation to coming back to the role was give me a costume that's not out of a porno. Yeah, and it's, I mean, in this day and age, like making her wear you know tiny little shorts and leggings is fucking, especially when she's actively like un, you know, uncomfortable with it, is really fucked. Uh, yeah. And of course, you know, you, you hear the whole, you know, I can't pee thing from all of them, like Spider-Man, Batman, like that's just 
par for the course with these costumes that look great on camera, but are completely like, un, you know, dysfunctional off screen. It's I get yeah. the I get the aesthetic point. If the actors are fine with it, they're fine with it. But I hope that if they do voice concerns, they're not ignored because in the 80s, they were absolutely ignored constantly. I feel like making movies in the 80s was just rough in general. Like it wasn't a good gig at all. There's certain decades of film that there are more horror stories from than others because gradually it took, you know, people started paying attention to like child labor and, you know, costume design and like things that make sense now. But at the time it was like, why would, why wasn't anybody looking at this? Yeah. Uh, I think the worst like story I ever heard about, like um, on set, like filming is the girl that the little girl and all dogs go to heaven. Apparently like her, and it wasn't necessarily on set, but apparently she was like in such an abusive household. It was just rough and it's just awful. If, if you ever, if you ever want to cry, just look at the story of, of her and it's really upsetting. That's sad. I've heard that movie's touching. So that's, that's unfortunate. Um, I've heard the, uh, there was a movie that came out in 1972 called last tango in Paris with uh, Marlon Brando and an actress whose name escapes me, who was pretty much legitimately sexually assaulted on screen. Oh my God. By him. He, uh, apparently he had the idea by him, by him. Apparently he had the idea to shove, uh, like they were, they were filming a sexual assault scene, I think. And he had the idea to shove a stick of butter up her. And he just did. What? He just, yeah, he didn't tell her. He told the director, like, hey, let's do this. And she didn't know. And yeah, that's that movie's pretty uh, pretty taboo these days because of what was filmed was not exactly acted. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, um, I haven't seen, I do own the film. I'm going to watch it at some point out of pure morbid curiosity, but I have not yet watched it. What the hell? The film is then nominated for like six Oscars because it was 1972 and nobody fucking cared. Oh my God. That's awful. Yep. Uh, hopefully nothing that hardcore went down with He-Man and Skeletor. I hope not. No. Uh, the production was rushed and poorly funded to say the least, but it was also hampered by peculiar corporate requirements. Mattel, who made the He-Man toys, forbade He-Man from killing anybody on screen. And that is why all of the bad guys are, for some fucking reason, robots. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's no... They have swords and lasers and robots. Like, yep. what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I was like halfway through the movie, and I was like, I was like, is he, is he going to do anything? This is... Okay, I know, I, know, I know it's called Masters of the Universe, and it's not called He-Man, but I'm pretty sure He-Man is like the main character of Masters of the Universe. And He-Man was, like, barely in this movie. Yeah, because Dolph Lundgren can't talk. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's very weird. Uh, I also They also, like, ignored the whole He-Man secret identity thing. Like, he's Prince Adam of Eternia, who then, like, secretly becomes oh, He-Man to stop Skeletor, and nobody knows that. Oh, God. I didn't know that. Yeah, they just completely ignored that part. Uh, <laughs> more to it. This is this is hilarious. I, I I love that this guy got to realize a dream, but also just what they did to this guy. There was a contest for He-Man fans to win a cameo. 
and the winner was hastily added to a throne room scene with prosthetics completely covering his face, and they called him Pig Boy. No. <laughs> Come on. Poor guy. The prosthetics later caused the contest winner agonizing pain when they were removed too quickly. That's oh, crazy. what a terrible prize. Yeah. <laughs> hey, wow. Mom, I'm going to be in the new E-Man movie. I won the contest. Who are you going to play? Uh, big boy. Big boy. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I know it's not. Jesus. It's terrible, but just it feels like something out of like out of like fucking curb your enthusiasm or something. Just a goofy situation. <laughs> Man, sorry, pig boy. Yeah, I hope, I hope you were able, at the very least he had a he had a great story to tell people for years. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, Dolph Lundgren has said that working on the movie was the ultimate low point of his career. I mean, that is saying something. I can see it. I, I, don't, I don't blame him. You know, I believe him. Just thinking about all the other movies he's done, like this was rock bottom. Damn, man. That's, <laughs> that's optimistic for the rest of your stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Lundgren was supposed to be dubbed over by an English-speaking actor, but that was deemed too expensive. When the movie exceeded its budget, so they just dropped it. Just like, eh, fuck it. People, no one's here to see to hear him talk. They're here to see rippling abs and a big sword. So, fuck it. Oh my god. Uh, much of the onset chaos stems from the bizarre management at Canon Films, a company notorious for churning out low-budget disasters. While they occasionally hit a, had a hit like Breakin. Their fare was generally extremely lowbrow and cut as many corners as possible. So their goal was make a big budget movie with no budget. That was what they always were trying to do. Make something that looked expensive, but wasn't. But man, they really fucking succeeded here. Jesus, wow. These, everything holds up so well. Immaculate. Yeah. I didn't know they were the guys behind Breakin', and I'm assuming the movie with the greatest title of all time, Breakin' 2, Electric Boogaloo. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's those are these guys. You know what? Um, the best effects in this show is when the you know like Skeletor and um, <laughs> Grindelwald. What's his fucking name? the the gnome thing? I want to say Gw- Gwindor, Gwindel, Gwendolyn. Some, I don't fucking remember. <laughs> Give me a second. When they when they talk, their mouths don't move, man. I love that it moves a little bit so that you know it's a mask. Yeah, that's, that's my favorite. You get like a little wiggle in the rubber. <laughs> you can see their mouths moving. Gwildor, that's it. Gwildor. Gwildor, yeah. You can see their mouths moving under the mask. Wonderful. I, I love that nobody was really that bothered by Gwildor. Like nobody in California was like, what's with this magical troll man? I fucking, I had, when I was watching the fucking movie, when they're all at the, um, at the chicken restaurant... He's like coming out of the bushes, and I'm like, you definitely should stay in the bushes. <laughs> Dude, I don't come out of the bushes, man. <laughs> also, I did this last time. Uh, I don't remember what movie it was. What movie did I say I went in completely blind? And it was a I didn't look at the plot at all. What movie was it? I don't I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Was it the but void? I did the same. Was it the void? I think I think I might have been talking about off off record and yeah um 
yeah, like I, I went in, I went into this movie completely blind. I had no idea what the plot was going to be. So of course, when they get transported to modern day, I was like, what the fuck? I was like, why are we in a KFC? I had a feeling that was coming because yeah. that always fucking happened in 80s, 80s fantasy movies like this. Somehow, yeah. some way they end up and always California, always yeah. California. So I was just waiting. I'm like, it's going to happen. <laughs> it took me a long time to realize that was Courtney Cox, by the way. Like, yeah. Geez. She was, yeah, her and the, uh, I kept expecting her boyfriend to die. I just felt like that was going to happen. Yeah, same. Why, why, why did she keep, I don't, I mean, I thought she was going to like hook up with He-Man or something. I don't know why. Yeah, that was, I, I mean, I'm surprised that if that did, if it happened, it happened off screen because there's no the tension between those two characters was real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I'll get into it more. But yeah, the character choices in this movie are absolutely incredible. Yep. So Canon was slated to produce a Spider-Man film. That was the big goal here. Uh, Masters of the Universe had half of its original budget because their plan was we're going to make two okay movies that are going to make the money back and then we'll use that money to make our epic giant spider-man movie and those two movies were masters of the universe and superman 4 the quest for peace oh god maybe the biggest failure in superhero movie history jesus christ who is gonna play spider-man do we know anything about it it never it never got that far because these two movies bombed so hard that they never were able to make spider-man in fact it destroyed the company (laughs) oh shit (laughs) Oh, I love it. Production careered toward career careened Hornet, damn it, toward disaster as it went way over schedule and over budget. Executives halted production after spending seven million dollars more than they'd planned, with the ending of the movie still not finished. Um, an elaborate conclusion to the film was scrapped due to the he- the sets already in a state of disassembly. <laughs> they just ran out of money. They, and they just they didn't finish filming the movie they're just like well i guess we're done and started taking shit apart oh my god <laughs> that's amazing i think this is like the least confident production i've ever talked about on any of these shows yeah. this is amazing they're just like i don't even know if we're gonna fucking finish this thing might as well just start taking it apart taking it down guys come on <laughs> so filmmakers shot a hasty conclusion so that they could just release this thing and hope for the best yeah <laughs> Hey guys, do you think do you think we should fix the masks so maybe like it looks like we're actually speaking? No, no one's gonna see this anyway. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I wonder how many actors on set just had this vibe of like, this is it. This is the end. This is the end of my career. I what have I done? <laughs> well, Corny Cox was saved, my friends. So she's fine. Yeah, and then I'm um, Frank Langella. Like at the yeah. time, he was a. Uh, he became an Oscar-nominated actor and recently accused of inappropriate behavior, so he's done. But um, at the time, he was like, he was Dracula in the 70s. He was like one of the B-movie kings, mm-hmm. and he took this because his son would constantly scream by the power of Grayskull around his house. So he's like, I should probably take that role in He-Man. And oh, yeah. He that been a blast. <laughs> I could tell he had, a, he had a blast. Um, but yeah, man, that's, that's really cool to be in a movie um that your son's really into when they don't even say the fucking catchphrase you know <laughs> oh my god i bet that kid was waiting the whole movie for yeah. for by the power of gray skull and he got half he got half of that yeah yep i have the I do, power 
I do love that when I hear about like, you know, oh, I only took the role because my kid was really into it. Like that's why Tommy Lee Jones did Batman Forever. I think that's why Tom Hardy did um, Venom also. Yeah. I think uh, what was another one. Uh, Richard Harris, uh, Dumbledore from the first two Harry yep. Potter movies. His grandkids were big fans. And they were like, if you don't take this, we're not talking to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, you know, it works out like Harry Potter. And sometimes you were Skeletor in Masters of the Universe. <laughs> I was your Skeletor, man. Also, um, Good Journey is going to be my new departing phrase. Are you going to do the hand thing too? Yeah. Hey, good Journey. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I want you to know when we get there to the awards, all of my awards are just out of spite. That's what we do here. This is spite. Yeah. It's a spite-fueled show. <laughs> um, I would just like to say that um, Caleb, who is currently dealing with COVID, did watch the movie just for kicks, and he really enjoyed it. So I can't wait to hear his thoughts on this episode. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, he also thinks Terminator is a slasher movie, so... Hey, we, we talked about that. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I proved that with evidence. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. So the film came out and then it disappeared because everyone was like, we just saw Star Wars. Like, we're good. <laughs> um, now, more than 30 years later, rumors of another He-Man movie are making rounds again. They've been trying to get Masters of the Universe, a reboot off the ground for years. Uh, currently, looking at a 2024 release date, I wouldn't hold out much hope. They've literally been talking about this since the 90s. So, I doubt it. I mean, if, if, they, if they did come up with, you know, if they did come out, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, at all. Um, not even a little bit. My thing, maybe they should make it, I don't know. I feel like man is something you should stick with animation maybe i don't know if they're gonna do it live action i want a gritty like vicious r-rated reboot <laughs> like go full r have he-man massacring you know skeletor's goons that would be cool i want yeah i want a vicious movie like conan the barbarian level months like yeah do that or just do that. another cartoon <laughs> <laughs> you mean r-rated cartoon like go anime with it and get gory and shit what i do want to see i think it'd be really cool if they did like a live action black cauldron remake but made it a horror movie they could totally do that god disney owns the rights to that book franchise and has just locked them away they have no intent on doing anything with it because it didn't work the first time and they won't sell it so that that's just gone it's a damn shame that's sad just change it make it a white cauldron i don't know (laughs) instead of a pig do like a you know, do a cow. A white cauldron sounds like some like something used in a Ku Klux Klan ritual. I don't think that's a good title. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say the white cauldron. That's a that's a white supremacy group. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> so there's uh there's a little info on the development of Masters of the Universe. The film only grossed about 17 million on its 22 million dollar budget. So after all that, it didn't even make its money back. Oh my god. Yep, bankrupted Canon Films, which is probably for the best. And uh, now it's just been like, I think there was a, I think Kevin Smith had something to do with an animated reboot they did on Netflix recently. It's so fucking bad. It's awful. So <laughs> I, I tried watching it and I was like, this is bullshit, dude. There was a documentary made about 
this move about like the He-Man legacy that I tried to find for this. I couldn't get a hold of it, but um, I'd like to see this. I don't remember what it's called. Probably by the power of Grayskull or some shit. Probably. <laughs> so with that, unless you've got anything you want to add to just the incredulity of this production. Um, no, just, I was, I was excited for it just cause um, I, I think like, like I said earlier, I, I always really liked the, the aesthetic of like I'm, I might not be a huge fan of a property, but I like the aesthetic of that thing. So I I, I just love watching compilations of um of Skeletor just being a fucking mood. He's such a vibe, you know. <laughs> he just says the most snarky things ever. He I don't know he he I don't know just just if you if, if you ever have a chance go ahead and look up Skeletor. If you if you YouTube Skeletor being a mood for five minutes, you'll you'll get it. Because he says the the dumbest shit. It's amazing. That's great. Eighties cartoon villains were a special breed. Like they were so stupid, but so cre- like cool at the same time. It's hard to explain. Yeah. Like you know Skeletor, Cobra Commander, all that shit. They were like dumb as hell, but also you were a little afraid of them. <laughs> Like, like one. Okay, I, I I just looked up some quotes that he said, and one of them um, never mind what I said, just do what I said. Oh my god! <laughs> what is that? Brilliant or stupid? I can't oh, tell. Right? <laughs> like, uh, dude, he's just so fucking. Oh yeah. Okay. So I guess like in one episode, someone calls him wonderful. They're like, oh, you're wonderful, Skeletor. And he says, I am not nice, I am not kind, and I am not wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Like everything yeah. he says has to be followed with him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's just in um in 2008, Frank Langella played uh Richard Nixon in a movie called Frost Nixon. That was fantastic. He got an Oscar nomination for it. And now I get it, I think. I like to think Ron Howard was like, I saw Masters of the Universe. I know you can play an evil, power-hungry psycho, so why not Nixon? <laughs> and I can see there's moments of Nixon where I can kind of see Skeletor now. And I think Frank Langella just kept Skeletor in his pocket and breaks him out in case of emergencies. <laughs> ah, so with that, let's go into our awards. Well, I guess you can call them that. For this movie, we have... First up, the Zack Snyder Award for the worst scene of the movie. What do you got? All right. Like I said, all these are just purely out of spite because fuck you. The worst scene in the entire movie is at the very beginning of the movie when Skeletor soldiers, they step on Grindelwald's garden. They smush his plants. How fucking dare you? I was so mad when I saw that. I was like, come on. Why are you ruining his garden? Come on. So that's that made me so mad. That's my worst scene of the movie. I know there's worse scenes, but that just made me so fucking angry. <laughs> <laughs> They're evil. Evil people do not like. They don't avoid gardens. They target them. Yeah, <laughs> come on. That's that's funny. Yeah, Gwildor. This whole thing is funny. He's like brilliant. Who can? He's a scientist who can create portals to other dimensions. I just. It, He's too good to be true. Like he's he's everything. And also like he's, kind of he's a treasure. Hmm? He looks like Denny DeVito. 
<laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, I had to really ponder because I had so many options. I'm just like, <laughs> what? Um, I ultimately went with the chase scene on the giant flying discs because <laughs> it just was so out of place and looked absolutely terrible. Yeah. And it was that was, yeah. <laughs> that was my runner up. And then I also thought when I was um just the scene where Skeletor finally captures He-Man and he's whipping him <laughs> with that fucking CGI whip. <laughs> I I gotta say though, like Skeletor's like Langella's commitment to Skeletor is is keeping this movie alive. Uh it's the only thing people remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When he like becomes like the master of universe and somehow gets that like giant golden crown mask thing, dude, and he's just screaming "Neil!" at he man, I I got got chills. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, that was good. (laughs) That was pretty good. (laughs) Uh, I also almost went with the scene where they uh, where Gwildor snags the food out of the couple making out out of the back of their car, the bucket, and they start eating ribs, and one man at armed guy is like, "Good food." And they don't recognize rib bones. They're like, this was an animal? Like, come on, you're telling me nobody eats meat in Eternia? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my um that's that's my quote, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, great. That's a great segue into our Ed Wood Award for the worst line. Dude, I can't. I don't remember what the quote was. I didn't write it down just because I was so, you know, ensnared by the. But yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah, yeah. 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 It says, um, yeah. I wonder why they put meat on these white on these little white sticks. Are those rib bones? You mean this used to be an animal? <laughs> and he's and then he's like, he, she's like, ah, what a barbaric world. I chose that line. The ah, what a barbaric world. Because look at look at the company you're with. Look at He-Man. Look at him. When, when I think of a barbarian, I think of He-Man and Conan. I'm like, come on. What do yeah. you mean? You're screaming, you know, these savage people next to your, like, Manborg buddy, your little troll guy eating, like, down in barbecue sauce. <laughs> and, just, yeah. and you're strapping giant leather-bound muscle hero. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, these people must be savages in California. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I had um, just this was half terrible dialogue, half horrible delivery. It was when um, He Man gets he surrenders himself to Skeletor, and his his friend his, the girl is like no, and he says Tila, I have no choice. Like I don't want innocent people to die. It was just so like he's like I don't want innocent people to die. Like he just kind of shoots the word out. Like he doesn't speak it. It just kind of like blah. Yep. I'm like Dolph. I, I Rocky Four was two years ago. I, you you did a good <laughs> job in that. What happened? Oh God. <laughs> my um my runner up was uh when Gwindor. I don't I don't fuck. What is his name? Gwildor, and I love that it's not sticking. <laughs> Gwildor. Gwildor. He goes to his house and he goes to open it. He goes he goes to unlock it. And he's like, he's like, I hate how I have to lock my door every day now. That's not going to be the same in the future. One day we'll be able to keep our doors unlocked. And I was like, dude, come on. I was like, ah, man. If only you knew what the world is like today. 
Skeletor. God damn it. I I love that it's like you know, one day when He-Man's elected, like it's like it's a political thing. It's like, no, you've got a skeleton wizard conquering all of reality. Like, fuck your door. Why aren't yeah, you in yeah. hiding somewhere? Yeah. He's after you. Um, all right, the Steven Seagal Award for worst performance. Uh I it's pretty, you know, it's 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 easy pickings, but Dolph Lundgren as He-Man. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go with the same. I was going to choose, I was going to choose Skeletor, but you know, just the more we talked about it, I realized that he was the, it wasn't that he was, um, it was a bad performance, but he was just so different than the character from like the cartoon from what I've seen. And again, the whole mood thing, but the more I'm, I'm thinking about his performance, the more I'm starting to realize that he was just, he was kind of sassy in this movie. He was a, he was a bad bitch. What can I yeah. Say? Skeletor is a bad bitch. I agree. 100%. Yeah. Whereas he man was just a bitch. Yeah, he didn't do anything in this movie. This was his movie, and he was not even in it. Well, the whole movie, it opens in, like, the middle of the war without introducing us to fucking anything. Nothing. He just expects us to have played with the toys and seen every episode of the cartoon. Exactly. But like I said, I was watching with my friend who, she knows some of the the He-Man mythos. And um, I was like, who the fuck is a sorceress? <laughs> I was like, who's Grayskull? Like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Please. Oh, my God. Yeah, the whole sorceress just standing there the whole time was ridiculous. Just, I love Skeletor's constant, like, you know, recorded messages to a crowd of, like, eight people in Eternia. Yep. Just clear, like, what's he conquering here? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking nobody in this place. <laughs> oh, But, yeah, Dolph, I think, you know, they cast him because he was a, you know, six-foot-tall super ripped blonde guy was, they didn't have to do a lot of work with with him was schwarzenegger not was he not around like no i think he just read the script and was like i'm gonna do predator instead okay yeah <laughs> which was a good move yeah <laughs> although a bleached a bleached blonde arnold probably could have made this movie a bit better yeah 100 <laughs> yes all right, to there we, from there we go to our Michael Bay Award for the worst filmmaking decision. What was the biggest mistake of this movie? Uh, it's a toss-up between either um, making the movie, um, casting Dolph Lund- uh, Lundgren as He-Man, or making the movie um, not animated, I feel like, was a pretty big mistake. I feel like this movie... They could have kept everything the same, the, the, the voice actors, everything. But if it had been animated, it would have been better. Dude, if Ralph Bakshi had made this. Dude, all, I was thinking that the whole fucking time. Especially, oh my God, dude. If, yes. Yeah, because yeah. Wizards has this a very similar vibe. So I think yeah. he, he was the guy to make like a great He-Man movie. Damn, that's a huge missed opportunity. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I was thinking that when I was watching this, I was like, damn. I was like, what if like Wizard, oh my God. They could, and then, oh my god, if this was made like, they could have done the whole backstory thing like they did at the beginning of Wizards, you know, like the, like the storybook part. Yeah. With fantasy movies, you need some kind of establishment. You need to, like, you can't just throw us in. We need to know, like, how is this different? What are the stakes here? Who do I hate? Who do I love? Like, what is this? You need a what is this? Every good fantasy thing does it. Sci-fi does it. Like, I need to know what, what I'm, like, where I'm at here. Like you can't just throw me in the deep end and expect me to swim. I can't do that. Yeah, no. Um, my decision 
the worst decision for me was combining elements of fantasy and sci-fi with no explanation at all. Like, why are there portals and swords and magic and also robots and lasers and fucking guns? Like, what is going on here? I said that to my friend watching the movie. I had to pause it because, you know, there's like, um, like he man pulls out a sword and I paused it and I was like, um, does he know that guns are a thing? And she, she was like, she's like, no, 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 his sword is magical. And I was like, where? <laughs> I was like, where? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, when he says by the power of grace, cool. And I was like, where is he going to fucking say it? If his sword is magical, what is he going to do? So did he get the power at the end of the movie? Has he just know. been a, a dude with a sword this whole time? <laughs> this is the this is his origin story. That's what it is. But he wasn't. He he's Prince Adam who uses the sword to become He Man. If he's already fucking He Man, yeah. oh my god! I don't even care about this mythology, and I know that. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Sir. Like five minutes in, people are shooting with laser guns, and I was like, wait. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, when does this take place? <laughs> and then we go to California because why not? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I just I think if you're gonna do that, very few franchises can pull that off, can pull off, you know, fantasy and sci-fi elements. I mean, obviously, you know, there's Star Wars, but they did it in a very smart way where it's definitely more sci-fi leaning. This was just swords and robots at the same time, and that just doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, I know. Swords and wizards. Yeah, wizards and like inventors. (laughs) Yeah, I know fucking. Um, so the silver lining, like, was there anything good you took away from this movie? Mm, it makes me want to watch the cartoon just because I do want and I want to feel the nostalgia that I feel like people have while watching this movie because I guarantee people felt something while watching this, you know, to see He-Man as an actual person had to be really cool. I still like the original design of um, Skeletor, and I guess he's another silver lining because, you know, he 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 has a good lesson. You know, be a, be that bitch. Hashtag gatekeep girl. What is it? Gatekeep girl boss. Gaslight. <laughs> I don't fucking know. I feel like he, uh, you know, haunt girl summer Skeletor. Just picturing you know? like that scene at the end when He Man like, I guess He Man doesn't really hurl him down the tunnel. He just kind of, he just kind of trips and falls off the bridge. But as he's falling, I just picture him screaming like, you could have had a bad bitch or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Like My my friend, um, when Skeletor says the line, I possess everything or nothing, she was like, she was like, Skeletor, babes, that's, that's toxic to yourself. I was like, oh. That's a cool fucking line, though. It's like, it I am either master of all or master of none. Like, that, that's a cool thing for a bad guy to say. It is very cool, but it's toxic, dude. Come on. It's... Yourself. <laughs> he's a he's a walking talking skeleton with magic who wants to possess all of reality i highly doubt he's in the best mental space <laughs> is he a skeleton because he's buff cartoon yeah. like he maybe it's just the face maybe he's just, i mean we don't see the rest of him maybe it's just the face like a red skull situation yeah yeah exactly exactly he's like i guess in the show he's, he's green with green skull yeah it is a so for the longest time i thought gray skull west skeleton <laughs> it's weird to have a bad guy with a skull face who isn't connected to Gray Skull. Yeah. Maybe also, it was. Maybe they took it from him. Yeah. Here, here's a question I still have. Yeah. Uh, what the fuck is Gray Skull? 
it it is the it's the power oh my god okay it's it's the vague power okay makes one master of the universe okay yeah that makes sense it's also the castle so i i don't know yeah i don't fucking know yeah it's the castle i looked it up okay um my silver lining is james tolkien as detective lubick our cop who's just in the wrong place at the wrong time who is constantly making things worse until he realize until he ends up in Eternia and is like, holy shit. <laughs> like somebody get me a sword. And yeah. the reason it's, I picked him is because he's principal Strickland in back to the future. <gasps> yeah. And the yeah. whole time I kept waiting for him to call somebody a slacker. I, I was hoping. Yeah. The entire time I was like, please, 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 please call someone a slacker. Please come on. <laughs> but he's just, his commitment to not giving a fuck in this movie is magical. And yeah. I just loved his character. And also he ends up with a hot attorney and girl after being an attorney for like 40 minutes. That ending. They were like, uh, bro, aren't you going to go home? He was like, fuck no. Are you kidding me? Look at this place. <laughs> I got everything I need right here. I got this. I got her. I got the broad. Like, he's just the best. I love this guy. Yeah. He's my yeah. fucking hero. Yeah. He was like, he's like, this is what I call a retirement. I was like, yeah, I get it. I love that the whole like royal family of attorney is just totally cool. With this cop from California becoming, I guess, part of the court. Yeah. 100%. He's just sitting right next to the sorceress. Like, it's nobody's business. He's just fine. I like to think that he is, you know, Professor Strickland. <laughs> he he quit. He yeah. quit education to become a cop. Ended up in Eternia. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> also, another th- problem I had with the movie is... Um, the way that she goes back in time before her parents died and there's no fucking consequence to that it is how did he even know like she i love that she had that moment of like oh wait i can save my parents like that wasn't the first thing that popped into her head when she heard time travel yep and then also the um the after credit scene where it's just skeletor's skull thing i'll be back uh was there a plan they yes, I read about that. There was, they were ambitious with this. The sequel was going to bring in Shira and Battle Cat and all these other people from the cartoon. Uh, they dismantled the script, ended up turning it into a movie in 1989 with Jean Claude Van Damme called Cyborg. So oh, okay, fair enough. There's so many movies that used to be sequels for movies that didn't deserve sequels that they had to then retool to make something new. A lot of movies are like that. Mostly bad ones. Yeah. <laughs> Happens a lot. Um, <laughs> so there it is. Um, those are our awards for Masters of the Universe. Uh, yeah, I think we're both in the same boat of like this. This is, this is bad. It's a bad movie. Yeah. But, but it's got its moments. It's, there's something endearing about it. I get why some people are like ride or die with this thing. I get it. It's interesting because the last um, Beyond the Bed I did, because um, I, my very first episode, I said, I don't think there's ever such thing as a bad movie because I will always enjoy watching a movie. Mm-hmm. And even like, like, Go Some Mars, it was a boring, bad movie. But I mean, I still had, I still had fun talking about it after. This wasn't boring. It was just disappointing. Yeah. I feel like it's how I would describe this movie. It's, it's a disappointing, bad movie. Yeah. I feel like they had a lot of potential. And 
they weren't confident in themselves. <laughs> I, th- I think you could, within the right hands, I think you could clean this up and make something out of it. I think you had a production company that didn't care. You had a lead actor who couldn't speak English. You had a, pro- a, a production going viciously over budget to the point where they were just giving up. Like, you take all that away and you give this to somebody who knows that, like we said, with like Bakshi, you could make something really cool out of this. 100%. So, yeah, I mean, it, I, I feel a disappointment. And it is just incompetent people. Sometimes that's all it takes to fuck up a production. Here, um, I'll, I'll, I'll give them the recipe right now. Director, if, if you have to make this live action, director, uh, Edgar Wright. <laughs> I'm saying that because I just finished watching all of his movies. I just watched Last Night in Soho and it was wonderful. So he needs to direct it. Hear me out. Nicolas Cage as He-Man. Oh, you don't, you don't even need to sell me on that. <laughs> Willem Dafoe as fucking Skeletor. Fuck, you've been thinking about That's this. That's all you need. That's all you need. That's it right there. Jesus Christ, I'd watch that in heartbeat. I would, <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd own that in the best possible quality. Yeah. Shit, I would rock. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. So let's talk about some people who don't really hate it that much with our next segment, What's in the Box? Um, this film has a 2.4 out of 5 on Letterboxd, which is pretty high for the quality of films we cover on this show. <laughs> uh, and a lot of people love it. Like, they grew up with this. This was a staple of their childhood. So there's a lot of nostalgia love for this film, which I get. You know, nostalgia can be a tricky bitch. It can really mess with your thoughts on a movie. And I've had to revisit some stuff of my own that are, I have convinced myself are masterpieces. And I watch them now, and I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? So I hate when that happens, but sometimes you need it to happen. I um, actually had like the reverse thing happen recently. I rewatched um, uh, Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. I used to hate those movies, but now I watch them and I'm like, oh, these are wonderful. These are great. Do you know James Gunn wrote those? Are you serious? Yeah. He, huh. he wrote very R-rated movies that they told him to tone back considerably. But that's why there's so many random adult jokes in those films. Because he didn't take it all out. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, I have a soft spot for those. I think they're fun yeah. movies. Uh, here's my first uh, Letterboxd review. This is from Karen H. Why does He-Man have a gun? All caps. One and a half star. <laughs> it's a good question, Karen. And I'd love to be able to answer that for you. But I can't. <laughs> I don't know if I can. Yeah, because he. I don't, I, don't, I don't even think we see him pick it up. He just has a gun. Yeah, he just has one. He gives it to, to, to Julie, to Courtney Cox. He gives her, like, yep. here, protect what, defend yourself. <laughs> you are a He-Man. What are you doing? You protect her and yourself. What are you doing? After every single, like, bad thing that happened, every time a monster attack, he immediately grabs her, puts her on his rippling chest, and is like, are you okay? <laughs> like, you are a He-Man. Yeah, he was trying to make something happen, and he didn't. And seeing her reactions, he didn't need to try that hard. No, he didn't. Um, This next one is from Austin Shermer. Imagine if someone wanted to combine Conan the Barbarian with Star Wars, but it ended up looking like a cross between very high class LARPing and an '80s music video. Very (laughs) bad, but also very rad. Two stars. Uh, That is pretty fucking good. I like that. (laughs) It does feel like an '80s music video. Or like some very dedicated LARPers. I love that. Yeah, it does. 
<laughs> uh, this next one, this is from Insomniac Foe. Pure cheese, but damn was it good going down. If anybody is looking to He-Man for plot, stop it. Get some help. Three stars. So this is a porn, but for but for movies. It's porn without, basically this is porn without the sex. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, dude. Oh, yes. <laughs> this is what the people and the nice guys thought they were doing when they were making their porn. Those are the weirdest movies, though. The movies that feel like they had a porno budget, but there's no sex. It's like, yeah, what? they stuck with the plot. Yeah, it's like, what is this? Who's this for? Yeah. God. <laughs> um, and then my favorite, this is from Flinnick. Other than the rad opening, this is atrocious. A shoddy amalgamation of at least 50 other films. And this is my favorite part. I still had a blast, though. Three stars. What the fuck? This movie is absolute horseshit. The worst thing I've ever seen. But it's pretty good. <laughs> what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> it's like, um... I always feel like you do that with, like, friends, though. You're like, no, no, you don't understand. You gotta fucking watch this movie. It's the worst thing ever made. Yeah, I do that like, a lot. It's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I try not to... I try not to wish, like, horrific movies upon people. But yeah. sometimes you just have to know if you're alone. You have to be like, I can't be the only one who thinks this is crazy. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So, yeah, there's four Letterboxd reviews. Um, I love it. it was, yeah, check those out. A lot of them are, a lot of them are in German, which I found interesting. Okay. That's and weird. a lot of them are very much like, you know, don't believe the hype. This is my childhood right here. This movie's amazing. It's still amazing. A lot of four and five stars. I was surprised. <laughs> okay. Sure. Yeah. Personally, uh, no. I gave it two stars on Letterboxd. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah. Caleb gave it three and a half. So right. he, he was a fan. <laughs> this was fun this is a fun movie to, nit- to nitpick i that's this show has introduced me to so much schlock it's crazy yeah. like i'm actively avoiding ne- like negatively reviewed movies now because i know one day i'm gonna have to do it here and i yeah. don't want to watch this shit twice <laughs> yeah have you done the room not yet that we're saving that one that's a special okay. bad movie like that'd probably be our 100th or our 50th or something like that's gonna be a big one yeah I have seen that though, and that is a wild ride. It is, and the um, the Disaster Artist is a great movie too. That was great. That was a great movie. I love it. Like the whole story of the room is crazy enough to get its own movie about yeah. making that movie. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and to this day, nobody knows where that guy's endless stream of money came from. I love that he just like came up with like fifty million dollars to make a movie. <laughs> I like how um like I think it's either vanity yeah vanity fair they have they have a YouTube channel and they always do like um like when Joker came out they had the director break down a scene or like um for Quiet Place they had John Krasinski break down a scene but they brought Tommy Wiseau in to break down a scene from the room when the disaster artist came out and it's it's so fucking funny to watch him oh I gotta see that <laughs> that's fantastic. Did his, did his shark movie ever come out? He was doing a movie called like Big Shark or something like that. I have no idea. I gotta find out. I remember reading about that and thinking, of course he is. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Yeah, but what, when we get when we get to Tommy Wiseau, like we'll definitely we'll call you in. 
Oh yeah, for sure. Good. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you liked a different kind of show today. Uh, if you did, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Filmgasm Productions. If you want to suggest films for us to check out, you can email us there or at uh, filmgasm at gmail.com or send us a message through our socials. Check out our website, filmgasm.com, where we have reviews, articles, trailers of upcoming movies, and every episode of all of our shows. If you want to support the show through Anchor, you can click on support this podcast on your preferred provider. We appreciate whatever you think we deserve. Hope you had a good time. Next week, we're going back to 2008 to discuss the box office bomb Sex Drive, starring Josh Zuckerman, Amanda Crew, Clark Duke, Seth Green, and James Marsden. The fact that I haven't heard of two of those people tells me this movie did not do well. Uh, basically the film follows a high school senior who drives cross country with his best friends to hook up with a girl he met online did oh not do God. well it's been largely forgotten and i'm looking forward to watching it for the first time um uh, sex drive i remember the trailer for this and thinking that doesn't look that funny and then i never thought about it again <laughs> but uh i do find that on this show the comedies tend to be the ones that are better than critics say they are that's oh, yeah. that's happened a lot on this show. So I'm 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 going to go in this with you know some optimism. Caleb said it was funny. So yeah, let's give it a shot. Yeah, well, Caleb rated Masters of the Universe 3 out of 5. <laughs> I I will not hold it against him. <laughs> no. Today. <laughs> Don't miss a Best Picture showdown on Platoon on Oscar Sunday. And the 1968 zombie classic Night of the Living Dead on Wednesday's Filmgasm. Until then, if you find a strange alien device in a graveyard, don't try and make it part of your shitty band. See you next week on Beyond the Bad. (laughs) 